Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to, to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life, to help other women with their motherhood journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. So if you are a regular listener to One of a Kind You, thank you so much for taking the time to tune into another episode. If you're new here, welcome. We're just as excited to have you. And thanks so much for stopping by to check it out and see what we have to offer. So the way this podcast usually works is that I share a journal entry of mine from about five or six years ago when I was in the thick of the struggle. And I reflect on what I know now as a certified life coach and what I wish I had known then. Um, but today we have a special guest. Her name is Emily, and she is a fellow podcasting mom. Her podcast is called the Rise and Shine podcast. And uh, we're going to do a podcast swap. So she's on my podcast first. Um, but without further ado, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yes. So um, tell us a little bit about you, Emily. Uh, so I am also um, a former educator. I was in the classroom for six years. And then after um, I had my kids, I decided that I wanted to be the one to do a lot of the child raising Um so I decided to leave the classroom. Uh, we relocated our family 5,600 kilometers um, across Canada um, wow. back to where um, my husband and I grew up um, to start our farmstead. Um, but that's not what brought me to what I do. <laughs> yes. So it's funny because um, I also taught for six years, but I didn't leave my teaching career <laughs> to choose to raise the children. I love because my husband was like, uh, this isn't working anymore and you're miserable. So you need to find something else to do with your time because this just isn't cutting it any longer. And that was devastating. I ugly face cried the day that I put my resignation in. But here's the other crazy part is that um, we don't have a, a farmstead yet. Um, and I don't know that I will ever be a farmstead, but we just in October moved into a 300 year old farmhouse. So you can't see, um, but behind me, and I usually don't record outside, but there's a lot going on in the house today. Um, but behind me is actually our barn. So you can kind of see the tidbit of it peeking out. So um, tell me more about your farmstead. Do you have animals? Do you have a farm? We do like have, a barn and yeah, we have, a, we have, our house is 101 years old. I love it. So it's a century house. Um, yes. and you can definitely tell in the winter time. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> and then in our barn lives, um, our quail, our, um, rabbits. We have, we just had two litters of baby bunnies this spring. Um, I love it. And then we also have some ducks. We just had some ducklings yesterday uh some chickens we have some baby chicks we also have baby quail um and then we also have four nigerian dwarf goats so it wow. is i i had a picture of a nigerian dwarf goat on my vision board for five years really I said, I said i'm going to have a goat yes um but the thing is, is you just, you can't have just one goat no. because they're a herd animal and they yes. get lonely. Yes. So last year when we, when we moved into our house, 
uh, we got three does. This year we added a buck. <laughs> oh, so, so it's the plan to have baby goats. It's it's the plan to have baby goats, and um, the long term goal is to be able to make um, have goat milk for our kids because they're lactose intolerant, can't handle cow dairy, um, but also to make goat soap and other goat products. And I'm in the process now of collecting. They're losing their winter mohair wool. So I'm collecting all of that and going to make yarn. So all kinds of income potential. Yes. Also a lot of work. (laughs) Yes. So um, now that we have the barn, so um, at some point, so we have a bank barn. So it's half, it's like built into the side of the hill. Um, Mm -hmm. And so in the bottom of the bank barn, there are dairy stalls and some horse stalls. Um, But I, the way that the land is structured now, it's really not ideal for horses or cows, but my daughter is desperately begging us for chickens and goats. And, um, I already take care of the two dogs and the cats. So I'm like, I can see it now the goats and the other livestock that will be in that barn will become my responsibility. And I don't know, I'm quite ready for that. Um, but we, I don't think we can do the chickens and the quail and the ducks and things like that. All I, although I'd love to, because we have several Fox family families living on our, um, property. And so they already chase the birds, like the wild birds up the trees and things. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that would just like invite them to eat the chickens for a morning a snack and lunch and dinner and breakfast and all the things in between. So, um, so I'm not sure that we'll ever get to that point, but I absolutely love your vision, um, for your farmstead. And how many children do you have? I have two little ones. My daughter, uh, was born in 2018 and she doesn't know it right now, but she is the catalyst for where I am in life really? right now. Um, and then my son was born um, just before the pandemic hit in 2020, um, like literally weeks before the pandemic wow. hit. Um, I remember being in labor and we were talking about the things that were going on in China and how it's not going to come to North America and yes. all of this stuff. And then we shut down a couple of weeks later. So yes. um, it's been it's been a ride. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. And so, um, so of course, I'm outside and we so we live in Kennett Square and it's the mushroom capital of the world, apparently. And so. Um, there are lots of box trucks that drive up and down our small road because there is um, a mushroom farm at each end. So I'm like, oh, I didn't hit mute. So hopefully we don't have too many <laughs> mushroom farm trucks in the background. But um, <laughs> so tell us more about um, because it's interesting that your daughter was the catalyst for where you are now, because me leaving my teaching career was the catalyst for where I am now. So tell us more about that, about your daughter coming into this world and sending you on this journey. Uh, so growing up, I had a quite dysfunctional and traumatic childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought growing up that time and space would kind of heal all wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had my daughter and all of those repressed emotions came barreling at me like a train rolling down the tracks at full speed. Mm. And while I was navigating being a first time mom, 
I was also navigating the landmine of um, mommy issues, daddy issues, childhood abuse, mother-daughter dynamic. Like I, for the first six months of my motherhood, I was petrified Mm -hmm. of hurting my daughter the way that I had been hurt. And that fear triggered my stress response. And it was a constant battle. Leave, don't leave, leave, don't leave, leave. I can't do that. I can't do that. Like it just sent me on this spiral of, of plunging down into the depths, feeling all of those intense emotions along with um, postpartum hormones, which just intensified the whole thing. Um, but, but what that led to was a place where I could heal and realizing that I was not then am not now my biological mother. She made the choices for her and I don't have to make those same choices because my life circumstances are different than hers were 30 some odd years ago. Mm -hmm. So I can choose differently. Yes. And so it really, it's been three and a half years of really digging into all of those emotions, learn, Mm -hmm. retraining myself, Mm -hmm. um, with, uh, coping mechanisms, learning how to communicate, Mm -hmm. um, discovering what my empowered mamahood looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I'm someday she will understand how her role in all of this. Um, And I'm so excited to tell her one day. Yeah. I think it's incredible. And it's, it's interesting because um, like you, I, when I was going through the journal, so my kids were, let's see, I left my teaching career in 2014. So Lily was five, Casey was two and, um, Casey had just turned. Yeah. Casey had just turned two when I started therapy. And cause I was having really not great thoughts about life, not because of motherhood or anything like that, but because, um, of not sticking it through with my teaching career. Cause I thought it would just, I thought I would teach forever and ever. And then it was mm-hmm. only six years and I felt like an epic failure. And so it was, it was therapy that actually, um, cause I went thinking she was gonna be like, okay, Kim, you're having an identity crisis. Here's how you fix it. But it was like, all this childhood stuff came up, all the stuff from the abusive relationship in high school came up. And it was like, do you, do you know you're codependent? Do you know you're anxious? Do you know, you suffer from childhood emotional neglect. I had no idea. And I, when my girls up until this point, I, for the most part was pretty confident in, in my ability as a mom, as a parent. And it never occurred to me really that, um, I maybe wasn't doing things the quote unquote right way, or there was another way. Um, 
I mean, there were times where I had doubt for sure, but it wasn't until I actually embarked on the journey and started learning about how my childhood was impacting me now as an adult and the Mm -hmm. thoughts that I was having around the parent that I was or would be. In that moment, I made this declaration that I would end the cycle. I would break the cycle for my girls because I didn't want my girls to grow up to be like me. I don't want them to have the thoughts that I had or the feelings that I had. And so when I did that, then I went into kind of like crazy lady mode and I tried to micromanage and, um, like literally puppeteer life, um, the interactions and the dynamics between my husband and my girls, my girls and me, my girls and my family. And that wasn't healthy. And it wasn't until the therapist was like him, their existence is not your existence. Their experience is not your experience. And then that, that was like kind of that wake up call where I was like, oh my gosh, in my ability to try and stop it from happening, I'm actually creating it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm recreating the things that I don't want created. Mm -hmm. So have you found yourself in that same boat where you're like trying so hard to change it, but at the same time, you're (laughs) you're doing the things that you don't want to do? Yeah, sometimes uh, from time to time, something will happen. A situation will conspire and I'll react instead of respond. Yes. Um, and then once things are done, I just sit back and think to myself, ah, crap. Yeah. Did I really do that? Because that, (laughs) that was not the way I intended for it to happen. Yes. Yeah. So when that (laughs) happens, do you ever go to your littles and say like, oh my gosh, mommy is so sorry. I just got overwhelmed in the moment or, or not so much because they're still small. Yeah. I apologize to them. Yeah. Sorry. Mommy yelled at you. That was not the right thing to do. Yeah. So I often found myself doing the same because I wanted them, and maybe this is the same for you. I wanted my girls to understand that we're going to make mistakes because we're still Mm -hmm. figuring things out as we go along. Mm -hmm. Um, Aside from managing, you know, motherhood through healing trauma, just as Mm -hmm. humans in general, we don't have life figured out. So there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be mistakes. But now that I find as my girls get older, I actually explain to them, like, I felt really overwhelmed girls. I started to feel a little claustrophobic. That was Mm -hmm. a little bit more than what I felt like I could handle in the moment. And they're good about it. They're like, oh, we understand, you know, we could have given you a minute to, you know, respond instead of like, just keep coming at you. So now that they're older, they have more of an understanding of, um, you know, like my errors, but also their errors and how we're you know, we come back together. So I think there's the the gift in that being able to say to your kids, like, I'm so sorry, that wasn't the way I intended it to be. And it teaches them that it's okay to say sorry, and that they're, you know, going to make mistakes too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, it's really important for me to teach my kids uh, that we're human Um, and just because I'm your mom doesn't mean that I'm never wrong. Mm -hmm. All things I do are not perfect. I'm human. Mm -hmm. I make mistakes. You make mistakes and we can learn and grow from them. And there's no shame in that. Yes. 
but admitting when you've made a mistake and apologizing and figuring out a better way because when you know better, you can do better. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's what we're, (laughs) that's what we're in the long game of. Yes. And, and you're right. It is such a long game because I started this journey back in 2014. So eight years ago, and I'm still on the journey and I'll always be on the journey because there's always self evolution, you know, Mm -hmm. growth, um, things to learn. So, um, so yeah, it's very much a long game for sure. It's just, as we evolve and go through the journey, it looks different, you know, because, Mm -hmm. because we change as, as humans, as individuals. So the journey evolves just the same way that we evolve, but it's definitely a long, long game. It'll be a journey until, you know, I take my last breath and I'm sure you probably feel the same. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just to reflect, looking at where. I was when my daughter was a newborn or, um, on the journey of getting, achieving pregnancy to where I am now is just mind blowing. Yeah. It's mind blowing to see the evolution and I know that it will continue. So it's exciting. Yeah, it is. It's like, it, it breathes back that life and energy that mm-hmm. was mi- probably missing. I mean, it was definitely missing for me. I felt so closed off and disconnected mm-hmm. and didn't realize that I was closed off and disconnected. until I was <laughs> thrust into like this big aha moment. That's like, okay, Kim, <laughs> this isn't really working and something's got to change. Um, yeah. so when, at what point I'll say, what kind of brought you to the awareness that Um, there was a, like that you were struggling with after your daughter was born. Um, was there like one pivotal moment where you just were like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, or this isn't continuing the way that I I thought it was going to. Uh, I think the first time that I realized that things were not right for me was sitting on my couch uh, probably two weeks postpartum Mm -hmm. and realizing that I, I was giving myself the ultimatum of staying or leaving and thinking about the implications of either choice. If I stayed, would I be a good mom? Mm -hmm. If I left, I would destroy my daughter because I know what it's like to have an absent parent. Mm -hmm. And I would absolutely destroy my husband. And those two things scared. I felt like an awful human. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I felt like a terrible person. And then a few weeks later, I was terrified to say anything. Yeah. My husband knew something was off, but he didn't know Mm -hmm. what exactly because I shut down. A few weeks later, we were in my husband's truck driving home from getting groceries or something. And I broke down in tears and I looked at him and I said, I hate being a mom. And it broke my heart. 
But through time, I realized that it wasn't that I hated being a mom because I love my daughter. The the connotations in my mind of mom and mother, those two words were negative. Mm A mom or a mother was someone in my experience that hurts, that rejects, that neglects, that abandons. And that's not what I intend. That's not what I wish to do mm-hmm. in my daughter or, and now my son's life. So I use the word mama. That's got, it's, it has the same meaning, but it's just, it's got a different connotation. And I avoid the the words mom and mother on, on a regular basis. And it's not, um, liberalism or anything of that sort. It's the connotations that it holds in my exist in my experience. So, yeah, it's, the meanings that you have Mm -hmm. connected to the words mom and mother. And I get that, Um, especially mother, that just seems so like cold and sterile anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I love the term mama. I think that's so much more of an endearing term and there's just so much love and Mm -hmm. connection behind it. And so um, first, I just have to say thank you for sharing that you weren't loving being a mom, that you had those feelings because I think women probably have those feelings more often than we'd like to admit. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just a hard thing to actually verbalize and say out loud because there's so much shame, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, associated with that. And then the the guilt too. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I had those same feelings and it wasn't that I didn't, I didn't love being a mom. It's just that I felt um, like a bad mom. And mm-hmm. so, um, because I was trying to heal and cope with all of these things and I wasn't always present for my kids. I wasn't always patient and I was filled with so much self doubt that, um, it really had me second guessing every decision that I made. So, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't like it. It was stressful. It didn't feel, it wasn't playing out the way that I had envisioned it in my mind um, because there was so much pressure. I had put mm-hmm. so much pressure on the, on the role of mm-hmm. mom, motherhood, mom life, parenting. And so, um, but I never was brave enough to actually say like, I hate this right now. This is really not what I signed up for. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that you were able to say that to your husband is really an amazing thing. Yeah, it was, it really was uh, one of the darkest moments that I've ever encountered in my life. And and, uh, I've had some pretty dark moments. So it was one of, I can imagine. And your poor husband probably felt like, oh, like WTF, what is going on? Like he was probably so blindsided. <laughs> I know there are times where I've done things to my husband like that. And he's like, uh, 
alert, alert, like mayday, mayday. And so, so looking back now, I'm like, oh, that poor man. But in the moment it was just like, no, it's all about me. So how did your husband handle that when you were like, I hate being a mom? Did he like, he was like, I need to pull over. My husband is really good at covering up his emotions and, Mm -hmm. and being very, um, controlled. Yeah. So (laughs) he was like, what, what about it? Do you hate? That's a really great question that he asked you. So we talked about it and, and yeah, he's the very, um, analytical, uh, rational one in our relationship. And I'm more driven by my emotions. So (laughs) he keeps me cool. Sometimes there's no cooling it, (laughs) cooling me down. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar in that way. My husband's also the same way, very much the analytical one who's like, uh, let's think this through a little bit here. And, um, maybe you should get off the, the, train of emotions. Like let's pull into the train station for a few minutes and like re reround ourselves here. Um, so, so now that you've, you know, you have this realization, you had your breaking point. What did you do to start changing the feelings? Like, um, were you able to do that on your own or did you go to a therapist or a life coach? Um, I did a few sessions of therapy, um, right out the Mm -hmm. gate to get myself, um, out of the hole. Um, and then I really, um, dived into, um, holistic medicine, learning, Mm. um, what, um, natural supplements that I could take to help boost my mood, Mm -hmm. um, and give my body, um, physically the support that it needed. Um, and then I dived into learning about my stress response because um, I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge um, about how stress impacted my body um, and all of the implications. So I really did a lot of self-education and then um, I also learned about, um, aroma freedom technique. Okay. Um, which is the use of, um, essential oils to, um, activate your olfactory nerve and help you work through, um, different emotions that are stored in your body in different places. So through all of these different, um, sources, I've been able, able to, um, work through a lot of things and there's journaling and affirmations. Like it's not, (laughs) there's there's no one thing. It's, it's been a whole puzzle. Yes. Yes. Um, I think it's amazing that you are, you know, open and willing to try things on your journey to see what the the impact and the benefit are going to be. Um, so I love that you take more, you decided to take more of a holistic approach because I was in therapy for over a year and a half. And that was a train wreck, um, because the therapist just wanted to put me on anti-anxiety meds. 
or antidepressants. And so, and I didn't want those um, because I felt like a failure. So for me to have to take a prescribed medication to be able to cope with life felt like the ultimate fail. And I'm not opposed. Like if someone needs anti-anxiety meds or they need antidepressants, like by all means, I just couldn't allow myself to do that. But it wasn't actually until I started going for Reiki sessions Um, Mm -hmm. and having energy work done that I actually started to feel lighter. And then it evolved into using crystals and yoga and Mm -hmm. meditation and journaling and so many different modalities, um, to really help. And so all things that I had no clue about. So how did you discover aromatherapy, um, that tool for healing? Uh, so I, I was introduced to essential oils um, a couple years before we started, um, trying to conceive for, um, allergy relief and, um, boosting my immune immune system for school because kids bring all the germs to school and you're in the classroom with them for, for six hours a day. And you're bound, you're bound to catch whatever they bring to school. Um, so, so that I, I was using the oils in my classroom, in my, in my life, in my classroom to manage mood and all of that stuff beforehand. So this, um, this was just elevating my use uh-huh. and using it for a different purpose. Yeah. So it, it's, and then I discovered, um, I did my my health and life coach training. And that was, that was more self-healing and <laughs> along the way. So it's been, there's been so much, so much that has contributed to yeah, the journey. I though. love it. So it's been a, so lovely chatting. I feel like we could chat forever and ever and ever because there's so much in your journey to unpack. Um, so mm-hmm. we'll have to do a follow-up episode to have you back on again, to so keep chatting. Um, but if there's one thing that my listeners, um, if they're listening and they're like, oh, gosh, that's amazing that Emily did that. I'm in this similar situation, but I just don't know how to get started. Or I just don't really know what to do. Um, what would be one, I don't want to say easy because it's not always easy, but like, what's one thing that they do, can do to get started on their journey today? No pressure, Emily. So it's a big question. One thing that they can do identify whether or not they believe in themselves. Yes. Because whether or not you believe in yourself, and I say this in my book that I released last year. Yes. Whether or not, I think there's a book of your, like, I see your last name. I think that's a book (laughs) up on that bookshelf and you didn't tell us about that. So after you're done sharing your one thing, you're going to tell us about your book, Emily. (laughs) So whether or not you believe in yourself is more important than whether or not anybody else in your life, significant or insignificant whether or not they believe in you. Yes. Because the belief you have in yourself will catapult you 
so much further than their belief in you. Mm-hmm. Whether or not your mom, your significant other, your sister, whomever believes in you, it's nice. It's nice to have somebody in your corner, but that their belief in you is not going to change your life. Yes. Your belief in you will inspire you and motivate you to take the steps to create the empowered mamahood that you were put on this planet for. Yes. Yes. It will change your life and it will change your kids' lives. Yes. And the relationship, even with your partner, your, your spouse mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. I always yeah. say, you know, it, it starts with you first and mm-hmm. then, you know, anything external is just an added bonus. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay, Emily, time to talk about the book now. All right. So, um, I, this is the first book, um, that I published and it's called rising from the ashes, reclaiming your life after traumatic childhood. Um, and in here, um, I outline, um, I believe there's 11 chapters. Um, I outline step-by-step, um, things that you need to accomplish to rise from the ashes of your traumatic childhood. And spoiler alert, number one is believe in yourself. So, um, there you go. (laughs) Chapter one, perfect place to start. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, this book is available on my website. It's also available on Amazon. Love it. So you said this is your first book. So is there, are there plans to publish additional books? Yeah, that book is, um, going to be the first in a series of rising from the ashes books. So, um, the, the big goal is to write, um, I'm not sure how many books yet, but we're going to talk about rising from the ashes, um, with your relationships, Uh with your um, life purpose or career or whatever, your connection to something greater. Um, It's, it's, it's a baby idea right now, just kind of bubbling. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. I think it's amazing. I think it's all so needed. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm excited Um, And we will be sure to put the link for your book um, in the show notes so that people can just go right there to click that link on Amazon or your website and grab a copy. I'll be grabbing a copy. Um, So, because I love all like self-help books are like my obsession. Mm -hmm. So my husband jokes and he's like, Kim, I don't think the weight of the books, the house can support that any longer. So I think we need to go to like, like self-help book anonymous. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, So I love, I love all books, self-help. Um, so I'm excited. So I'm going to grab a copy for sure. And, um, so Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. If you are listening and you felt like this episode was helpful, please feel free to share with a friend. And if you would be so kind to leave a review, I would greatly appreciate it. I take time to read all the reviews to ensure that the one of a kind you podcast continues to be a place of support and guidance and a one-stop shop for resources that you need on your motherhood journey, because let's face it, us moms have to stick together. So thanks so much for tuning into another episode of one of a kind view, and we'll see you next week.